This is Kevin McDonald from the Kids in the Hall, and you're listening to the Think Funny Podcast. So listen to the podcast. Stop listening to me. Nothing interesting about me, though I am one of the kids in the hall. Listen to the podcast. I grew up in Montreal. Born in Montreal, grew up in Toronto. Enough about me. Listen to the podcast. Where do I get my ideas? Usually the bathtub or on the roof of the house. Just, you know, wandering around. Forget me. It's not my day. Listen to the podcast. How did I meet Dave Foley? I'll tell you after you listen to the podcast. Welcome to the Think Funny Podcast. This is Aaron Donnelly. I'm here with my co-host, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. And Matt Donnelly. Hi, guys. And today, we are talking about time travel. So, is it 1.21 gigawatts? Is that the number? I couldn't remember. I think that is the, the magic number to go, okay. to go back to the future. And it's actually supposed to be gigawatts, but the physicists that they had, had consulting actually pronounced it wrong and said giga. And so since then, all the nerds have been up in arms that, that he says gigawatts. I knew a little bit about the science behind the possibility of time travel. We can cover that a little bit. Um, but I don't know how familiar you guys are with uh, relativity. E equals MC squared, baby. <laughs> yeah. That was my uh, rap name in high school, MC squared. And I've, right. I've stolen that through the years because it's so clever. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, um, rap. It's the rap name for the uh, thinking man. Yeah, exactly. I'm always surprised. Uh, also, when you think about time travel in movies and books, at how much we are underperforming compared to the uh, what the books and movies say we should be doing, like with flying cars and hoverboards and whatever else. And uh, but I, I thought you know it'd probably be pretty boring if they actually just you know, jumped in the future and all we have is like a new salad shooter device and things are still pretty mundane. Do we have anything that Jetsons had? <laughs> they were big on the pill. Was it, uh, it seems like you could get food really easily. Not, not the birth control pill, but it seems like you could get food really easily there. They like had one plan, pill. They had plan B. They, uh, they have soylent green in the future, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I can, I can jump into quickly. Um, so what I understand of relativity is that it's easy to think of uh, light and uh, other things in, that are physical in physics, but the actual idea of time being a part of the universe is a leap for a lot of people. And it's actually, when I start to thinking about time travel, I feel like there's certain things that you can start thinking about and it shows you and you you know where you're at with your intelligence because your mind goes into a cloud when you start thinking about certain topics and you feel like oh yeah that's that's it that's the end I've reached my uh, it's like in the Truman Show where he hits the wall yep. <laughs> that's what I feel like when I when I think about relativity but basically uh, time can slow or speed up based on different conditions in the universe. So there's some things that speed that speed up time and some things that slow down time. Uh, for example, gravity slows down time and speed also slows down time. And so and is this, we actually know this happens. We can we actually observe forward time travel every day. Um, because we all use GPS devices and our phones are are based off of GPS devices. Those are based off of those are based off of satellites that are orbiting the Earth. And because those satellites are farther from the Earth, there's less gravity on those satellites. Uh, 
So the drag on the time where those satellites exist makes them uh, is less, and it makes them a little bit ahead in time than we are. And it's like a millionth of a second a day, but uh, they actually have to adjust for that. So uh, people that work on these satellites have to adjust for the relative change in time as they are, as the satellites are like a millionth of a second ahead of us in time. So forward time travel is possible. Uh, reverse time travel is a lot more complicated and debated as to if, if it's possible. Everything I learned about time travel, I learned in the movie Interstellar. The Christopher Nolan oh, movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's such a confusing movie. It's also really heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Because the moment when they have to go on that planet and they leave the black guy behind in the spaceship, that planet, they go off in their ship and, they, and they're going to a planet where because it's closer to the black hole, uh, it, it drags on time or speeds up time. So they know every minute that they're down there is like seven years. Uh, or something like that for this guy up in the spaceship. And he knows that every minute he's down there, he's losing years of his daughter's childhood that he'll never get back when he gets back to Earth to visit her. That's called the twin principle, I believe. You better make good good uh, use of those uh, seven minutes. You better not waste it. Yeah. Like and scrolling through your phone, <laughs> looking at memes. Yeah. Did you guys see this week they got the first image of a black hole? Yes, and I, I think they did that just in anticipation of our podcast here. I think so. <laughs> I think they I put waited. in a request. Pulled, it looks like a, it looks like a, a pineapple uh, lifesaver with my glasses off, or something. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty cool though. To think about that's a that that is so dense that it drags light and time into it, and nothing can escape it. There's another thing called the grandfather paradox when you think about time travel, um, which is if you went back in time and killed your grandfather, um, then you wouldn't ever have existed to come back in time and kill him. So when it comes into time travel, there's all kinds of paradoxes that kind of make it like, well, there's no way that that can really happen unless the, the alternative is to, is to apply the many universes theory, which is that um, every possible outcome that can ever happen ha is happening as we speak in alternate universes so do you do you lend any credence to the multiverse thing or do you just think it's ridiculous i think it's ridiculous personally really yeah it's interesting i mean to think about the entire universe have, have be identical to ours existing all the way up until now and i just say the word beep instead of bop and that is the only difference. There's a universe out there that that is the only difference. That is bizarre. There's just too many Marvel movies. Um, yeah. You know, with the with the different universes. So there's you know yeah. there's a universe with a million more Marvel movies. <laughs> there is. There's unlimited Marvel movie universes oh as God. well. Did yeah. you hear about the theater that's showing all the movies? Yes. Um, Sixty. How like, many hours is it? Sixty something. Almost. Yeah, I think it's sixty some hours. Right. Jenny and I did that. Uh, a couple months ago. Really? Yeah, we start. You start with the Hulk. Uh, like it's not really, but it is part of the universe, and we went all the way through the Hulk. So I think we're caught up. Which one? The Edward Norton one. Uh, what's the other one? There was two of them. Yeah, I can't remember if it's got it. It was so many movies ago now. I think it was Edward Norton that was. Yeah, in it. they're both bad. They're equally as bad. Mark yeah. Ruffalo. I think Mark Ruffalo is the other. Uh, 
But Hulk. he wasn't in an actual Hulk movie. He was just oh. Hulk in in the other ones. So, yeah, Eric she's big Banna. into them. Eric Banna was the other Hulk. Eric, Eric Banna, Banna. Yeah, okay. yeah. They tried to just find a name that was close to Bruce Banner. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, let's take this guy. Speaking of that, uh, Back to the Future, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about um, with Eric Stoltz getting the role first and how much footage there actually is of him playing Marty McFly before they brought in um, Michael J. Fox. I did not know that. Yeah, so Who they had to come Huey in. Huey Lewis's role before he got that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They had to they had to come in and it cost them three million dollars to reshoot all those scenes with Michael J. Fox. You can actually go online and watch Eric Stoltz in a lot of these scenes. Uh, he was he didn't have the comedic chops. They didn't think they didn't they didn't want him at all the the entire time. But Michael J. Fox couldn't get released from Family Ties, and so what ultimately happened was Michael J. Fox filmed Family Ties during the day. Uh, until six o'clock and then he would go film back to the future from like seven to two in the morning and that's how they did it so huh then, i didn't yeah. know the eric stoltz thing that's interesting i don't think it yeah funny at all that's why they didn't want him they <laughs> he was like their backup the other guys they considered i think were like uh charlie sheen um john cusack john cusack um, would have been a good choice charlie yeah sheen, i think he would have worked charlie sheen would have definitely slept with his mother <laughs> <laughs> like we can't yeah. stop him we can't stop the actor from doing this on yeah. camera we're gonna have to rewrite this movie and get a really different movie haven't you read the script charlie i know but i can't help myself <laughs> winning there's a me and jay jay always did a good michael j fox and we'd always talk about the stutter step uh, and we could walk or run like michael j fox there's a certain walking style he had and a certain personality style he had that I think affected guys our age when we were in that like fourth through sixth grade to try and want to be like him. Um, I definitely wanted to be him. Yeah, and Jay. Yeah. I can see that in Jay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There was the only uh, non-Christian tape that I was allowed to have growing up was the Back to the Future soundtrack tape. And uh, because our parents were really strict... And so I played that tape to death because it was only like, like, I don't know, it felt like, like authentically normal music and stuff. So I remember in fourth grade in music class, you get to bring for show and tell like a song that you liked. And I brought uh, power of love. And then in fifth grade, I also brought power of love <laughs> because it was the only <laughs> the power of love, the bad dub remix. Yeah, but I met the guy. Um, I was doing a Chamber of Commerce thing, and he was he was like a special guest to play the guy that wrote the song. And he was in Lewis in the News. He was like the guitar player. I met him, and on stage, I just thanked him for that. I told that story, and I thanked him for helping me be a little bit cooler uh, in my middle school or elementary school years. But that beats my uh, first uh, album, Aaron, when I had the Simpsons uh, soundtrack. <laughs> I know. Do the Bartman. That was uh, yeah. I didn't I didn't bring it to school though. Probably a good choice. I remember you got vanilla ice for your birthday, but mom and dad made you take it back. Yes, yes. Yeah. I so was able to Simpsons. keep uh, I was able the Simpsons and then I got Young Guns too. I don't know what oh, it is right. about movie tracks or T V tracks, but we were allowed to keep those. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really make fun of either one of your choices since that Debbie Gibson tape was my first tape, so I'll just shut my <laughs> mouth. 
There's, do you guys ever think about the well okay so in the movie like you know when he gets up and plays and Huey Lewis is judging him and he says sorry it's just too darn loud mm-hmm. the guys that are coming up after the pinheads are like these acid rocker dudes like they have no hope whatsoever uh, of making it past I don't know there's any there's a lot of funny thoughts like there's a there's a sound in the movie that I've always noticed but no one else seems to notice and it's totally out of place it's when Marty gets goes back to 1955. He meets with Doc. Doc thinks he's like from crazy from the future and he puts that thing on his head oh, and yes. uh, puts that suction cup on Marty's head. And when he pulls the suction cup off, there's this crazy noise that does not belong in the movie. Really? Anyway, and it's there. Someone should rewind listen to it if you ever Is it like it a again. like a laser bolt fire from Star Wars or something? No, it's like this. It's it's supposed to be, I think, the machine shutting down, but it sounds completely out of place. Oh, does it, does it sound um, like one of your fart noises? Yeah. Oh, I don't have it hooked up today. Ah. Shoot. Sorry. Um, yeah. I'll have to check that out. But there's yeah. a. I've seen before. There's like a. There's a YouTube video about like continuity in movies, and I think that's a yes. mo- one of the movies on there that has several mistakes continuity wise. Right. So maybe so they the f- talk about that like as a foley artist mistake. Yeah, yeah. the The first movie apparently is pretty solid. When you get into the second and third movies, there are real issues. There's issues throughout the whole movies because, first of all, they have a time machine and they're kind of scrambling around the movie the whole time. When really they could do whatever they want. They have a time machine. They could they could do anything. But um, one of the main things is he goes, and I think it's in the third movie. He goes back to 1955. Immediately after he left in the original movie, he shows up again and freaks Doc out. This is the 1955 Doc. And he shows Doc his tombstone from the 1800s. And uh, that Doc that saw that tombstone then lives and goes through time as normal until the 80s. He also goes back. That Doc should know is, is the same Doc that went back in the 1800s later. So he Marty should not have to go back to the 1800s to warn Doc because that Doc already knows of the story. So the third mo- the third movie is basically uh, does is doesn't need to happen. All I remember about the third one was the unnecessary appearance of ZZ Top at the <laughs> yeah. uh, at the town fair. Remember when they're just randomly on stage for no reason? <laughs> yeah. I'm like okay, well there's ZZ Top anyway. What do you guys think of? I often, when I think about time travel, I, I my most common daydream about it is time traveling for the sole purpose of opening old baseball card packs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's this Woolworths famous picture of a Woolworths display in 1952 of just hundred cases of tops just sitting there. Yeah. So, so what year? And what's your what's your weapon of choice? What are you looking for? What pack? What year? I'd go to 52 tops, and then I'd head back even earlier and try and do the cigarette thing and i don't know i just i want to go in and i want to go in and walk into a grocery store and just look around i would love to spend an afternoon in a 1950s grocery store just looking at the packaging i've often thought about what if i and i thought about this in the 90s like i should drive around town and just video everything as i drive i will like to see this later in my life but in the time you think oh nothing's going to change you take it for granted but had i done that it would be fascinating to go around your town Imagine if, you know how like race car uh, driving games, you drive through cities. Imagine if you could just buy your city 
in a game to drive around in. That would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. Like well, just like, your uh, local city, Brandon, Iowa. You could oh my <laughs> drive around. Yeah, yeah, go into buildings and Wouldn't have it actually awesome be the quick travel stop. back in time to like when there used to be arcade games in gas stations with the knowledge of how to play these games and they're brand new and you just completely kill it at like 1942 or duck hunt or mario and like it's just like they just put it down and you just win the whole game so you would travel use time travel to look cool in front of 1983 uh, nerds i would go to aladdin's castle at westdale <laughs> and, and win at a uh, moonwalker But another big question with time travel is, why are there no time travelers here? Why have we never seen a time traveler? But have you ever seen those, uh, like, there's pictures from all different sorts of time periods where yes. they'll have somebody it's with It's usually an Matt Damon. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of Matt Damons in the, in the past oh, comparing God. him to the future. Yeah, if, there's, if there's one person, yeah, great. <laughs> But you're right. Like, there's the guy that has the goggles on with yes. the uh, screen That's printed looking shirt. Of. And then there's another with a guy with like an iPhone at like a boxing match. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I've seen that one. There's one where it looks like a lady is talking on a cell phone in a Charlie Chaplin movie. Yes. Um, that is likely an ear horn. <laughs> uh, the cell phone one, there was an explanation for it, but I don't know it. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, they have found a, a jersey of an athletic team that looks almost identical to that shirt that guy is wearing from the time period. And those hmm. glasses uh, were available as well. So they found those too. So I, that, I believe that's unusual. I would say they, they are unusual, but that doesn't really prove yeah. anything. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. And then there's no the fact that there's no people coming back and meeting with us. There's, so there are some thoughts as to why that is. One of them is we never discover time travel. Uh, it's at least going backwards time travel. It's impossible to do it, or it's impossible to get humans to go through the process. We destroy ourselves before we advance that far. And so that is proof that we will ultimately destroy ourselves because we've never gone that sophisticated in our technology. So are you telling um, me that the movie Time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> not a documentary? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if it's, it's totally factual. I'll have to go watch it again. I do like in some movies, they do this in frequency and they actually do it in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where they tell themselves or someone in the past to leave something hidden and then they go and it's there. I love yeah. that concept. Yeah, that is They cool. do it with keys in, uh, in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They go, okay, dude, just tell, just, just, let's just say we're going to leave our keys here and then they go and the keys are there and they do it in frequency. Yeah, the garbage can when they say, remember to remember a garbage can. Like, <laughs> yeah. Once they figure out they can do it, they just start using it stupidly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's just a fascinating little thing. In frequency, he tears up the floorboard and the guy and his dad left something under the floorboard after saying that he just did it. That is a uh, great thing. I future. love frequency. I do too. Yeah, it's really good. Just another just thought on time travel to help people understand time and how it works. This is Stephen Hawking's analogy, <clears throat> is that um, time is like a river that's always moving um, forward. And we're on uh, like inner tubes, like floating down the river. And we have friends that are on inner tubes too. And we're going around, we're both in there, but we go around a slow bend in the river and then they hit the rapids. 
And so there are different parts in the river where time can move faster or slower. And it looks like they're way ahead of us uh, because they've hit those rapids. They've traveled through that, that um, distance faster. And so you can, time can slow and speed depending on other factors that manipulate it. And he thought, well, maybe someday we could learn how to manipulate that depending on with gravity and with speed. Well, when you first started that, when you said River of Time, I thought you were going to start quoting a Billy Joel song. Those <laughs> felt like lyrics from a Billy Joel song. Yeah. Um, but haven't they said that organic matter just can't survive when you start approaching the speed of light? Like, especially yeah, in the living I mean, creature. There's actually a, a word for it called spaghettification, to where what That'd happens. That's a great to... band name. <laughs> the spaghetti incident uh it's what happens to any matter that gets that close to that at that speed and at that density um it's that's why i think it's likely never going to happen because how are you ever going to get something i mean think about what a black hole does how could that ever po- possibly happen but yeah and it's possible that you can travel through a black hole but not come back um and that's again like this weird loneliness uh, that happens when you start thinking about space and time and time travel and interstellar and it made me think Matt, of another lonely thing we saw which maybe the loneliest thing i've ever seen was when we were at the pearl harbor museum in hawaii uh-huh. and they had a <clears throat> japanese one-man sub and it was this tiny little submarine that one guy could fit into and there was only enough fuel for one way a one-way trip and the goal was once you got into the sub to go and crash into a ship. That is the loneliest ride. <laughs> you imagine you're underwater in the dark in the sub. You know I would like going? go around the corner and be like, all right, guys, see you later. And then get out of the sub. Another thing that's interesting, and just because we're talking about the science stuff, is uh, the whole beam me up. Uh, the uh, What's it called there when they do that in, in Star Trek? The, the uh, teleporting? Teleporting, yeah. Yeah, think about it. When you're teleporting, what you're doing is essentially every time Kirk was teleported from from like a planet to the ship, the guy on the planet was killed. And he was recreated on the ship from matter and atomic matter on the ship. And so it's not like it was Kirk going from the Earth to the ship. It was Kirk getting completely destroyed on the Earth and getting recreated as a new being on the ship. Next yeah. time you watch any uh, space travel movie, every space travel movie, the spaceship always has a treadmill. Just, just <laughs> trust me on this. There will always be a scene in every movie with a person on a treadmill in space. I don't know why. <laughs> right. There just is. So. And I like how, you know who was, who was really bad was the early 80s. If you look at science space movies then, um, if they're from the future and the movie was made in the early 80s, they have early 80s hair. And they were not even, like, casual about it. They just they just said, yeah, this is it. We're confident that we have achieved maximum style, and this will be it. Would you guys change anything about your life if you could go back and tell yourself something? What would you tell yourself? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? Myself- what would you do? Buy Apple stock. Mm-hmm. I've run this through so many times in my brain, how I could convince dad to sell the house in 1985 and buy Apple stock and take that whatever money and then what it would be worth now. That's what usually like kind of things I think about before I fall asleep, trying to do the math on it. 
he would like even, it'd be hilarious if he misinterpreted and bought stock in an apple farm <laughs> and then went broke. Probably still be better off. <laughs> Most of the time, if you, like in your mind's eye, close your eyes and you think about yourself as a 16-year-old and going up and talking to that person, almost always what I think to say is just to, hey man, have more compassion for yourself, give yourself more grace, and enjoy your life more, um, and just take it easier than you take it. That's what I would tell myself. I think I would tell myself to have more confidence mm, that, yeah. uh, you know, don't, don't, don't doubt yourself. Um, just go for it. And it, it kind of ties into what you were saying too, you know, and, and take it easy on yourself. But a part of that is having the, all the confidence in the world. Yeah. Nate, anything from you? I, I liked what you said about give yourself more grace. I think I would just tell myself to take more chances, take probably take mm. more chances and probably, not really worry about what people think right. and just, That's huge. I mean, that kind of goes along with taking more chances, but just don't be, it doesn't matter. Just do, do what you want to do and please yourself, you know, yeah. don't try to please other people and buy Apple stock <laughs> and create Google like in a hot tub time machine when he creates Google and calls it Lugal. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I would good. tell myself, don't marry Kelly. <laughs> That was a Wait, bad idea. Did you ever? Was it Kelly? Yeah, Kelly was my St. Louis wife. Don't, oh, don't, don't do wife. that. What are you don't doing? Do that. Come on, man. I got a bit in my book about how we'd all go back and insert guys with larger penises into our gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the entirety of our efforts. Aaron Donnelly. So you go back in time and you're sneaking into baby Hitler's bedroom and he's there in the crib and you take a step towards it with ravenous murder in your heart. But first you step on a squeaky toy and it's like, he, he. And then there's like six or seven more squeaky toys you step on. The point is when you do finally get to the crib and look inside, it's Hitler. And he's just little chub, chub, chubbers, but it's Hitler. And he's wearing a dingy little nightgown. Because if I know anything about 19th century peasant German baby attire, it's dirty nightgowns as far as the eye can see. Also, cloth diapers. Poop-stained cloth diapers absolutely dominated the era. But now your murderous heart grows weak because he is, after all, a little chubby wubby wubbers. But it's still Hitler. So you get the idea maybe if you maimed his leg, that would derail him from being in the world in World War One and stop everything that followed. So you reach down and hover one hand above his mouth and one above his tiny leg. And it occurs to you baby bones are super flexible and maiming a baby leg would involve twisting and turning and twisting and turning and on and on until somehow it broke and frankly just killing him would be easier for you so you go back to that plan. So you put your hand over his tiny lips and his squishy little nose and you press down and you press and you press and his eyes dart wildly and his little chubby wubby wubber's torso jerks and writhes freakishly in horrifying agony. It's Hitler, remember. Anyway, like I was saying, for this three-month-old, we're talking about true agonizing hellish pain and abandonment on levels even a mature adult brain couldn't comprehend. So good luck his little brain doing it, you know what I mean? So after a while, he's dead. But he's still cute. But you killed him in cold blood. 
And you're about to climb out the window when all of those stories about how adjusting major events through time travel always backfire come back to you, and you realize you need to guarantee that he's actually dead, and the only way to do that is to take off his head. So you walk back to the crib, and you begin to press your forefingers and thumb into his fleshy neck, and it's Hitler, remember. You dig in with your dirty fingernails and twist and turn and claw through fat and muscle and tendons and sinew until you get to bone, finally sweet, precious baby neck bone. And now you're palming his forehead with one hand and holding his tummy down with the other, and you twist and you twist and you twist that Hitler head until it's like a tooth with just one, just the spinal cord hanging on. And dang it all, if baby spinal cords aren't the most rubbery things. And that's when you remember that you had a knife the whole time. So now you've got the head, and you run over to the window and throw it with all your might. And hey, you know how you can try and throw an apple core out of the opposite car window while you're driving and it hits the top of the car door frame and falls back in the car? Anyway, it's like that with the Hitler head. It just hits the window frame straight on. Thud. I mean, talk about classic. So now you pick up the Hitler head and reel back to throw it again, but then at the last second decide to go with more of an underhanded toss, which you regret immediately. Because as that Hitler head goes out the window, you just know it didn't go far enough away from the house, and now you're going to have to rummage around in the dark trying to find a Hitler head. But then you, hear, you think you hear a noise. So you peek out the bedroom door and see Mom Hitler in the living room, and she's cleaning cloth diapers, and you're like, good luck with that. But you look closer, and it turns out Hitler's mom is kind of hot. So you close the door and go back to what is technically now Hitler's torso's crib, and you give the chubby rubber, <laughs> chubby nubbers baby Hitler torso, and you take it, and you pick it up, and you take it off and head out through the window. So you've got the torso, and you prop it up in the car seat next to you. You put its seatbelt on, and it kind of freaks you out just sitting there with no head. So you put a little pumpkin on it and you draw a Hitler mustache on the pumpkin. And now you pull over by a field and take the torso out and try and throw it like a football and see if you can get a good spiral going. I mean, it's Hitler, don't forget. It's important not to forget that. It's also important to roll your fingertips on release or you'll never get a tight spiral. So then, after some fun times, you continue going into town and you buy the best suit you can afford and begin plans to seduce Mother Hitler on a whirlwind romance. And that's all it was supposed to be, just a couple of kids having fun. But a few months in, you start to think she may be the one. You even finish each other's sentences. Like she says, I'm still so devastated my child was, and you cut in with murdered. Stuff like that. Relationships, am I right, LOL? Anyway, one morning, after making sweet love, she rolls over and whispers in your ear that she's late. And you're like, screw that scene, and you travel forward to the present time and abandon her. It's Mother Hitler, I mean, come on! So you're back in the present day, and it turns out the baby you impregnated her with didn't turn out to be Hitler, but he did turn out to be really, really boring. The end. <laughs> <laughs> How many man hours were put into writing that? <laughs> I think it took me a couple hours. I was like, I was like on the plane. I was like, I am going to type this thing out. I just had the idea. The the thought of you writing this and it appearing on a computer screen, and someone <laughs> sitting next to you, I find that very funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Or you could just so, uh, you could just introduce Hitler to a nice Jewish girl. Maybe they hit it off. There you go. I like that one a lot better. <laughs> Not nearly as graphic. I would love to go back in time and watch that and have the Jewish girl bring Hitler home to meet the parents. Yeah, right. <laughs> Is he Jewish? And she's like, you got to lie and say you're Jewish. <laughs> you got to shave that mustache. Come on. 
Well, that's all I had, guys. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on uh, time travel you guys want to share. I think that pretty much put a bow on it. (laughs) Pretty good. It reminds me of a story I wrote one time. I think it's in my book about how to shoot a monkey. And it's just a point blank, like, here's how you do it. Execution style in the head. Don't hesitate. You know, if you can get the monkey to put the gun in his mouth, that would be great. I remember this. I remember this. And this was really funny because it's very involved. (laughs) It is, yeah. Now, remember, don't hesitate. Just do it. With a logical and sound mind, you decided this was what you wanted. Anyway, so I wrote that hole up, and then my son Joe, <laughs> he was, I think, a freshman, and he had to do a, write a story. And I go, just use this one. Go read this in front of the class. This will kill. This will be awesome. And he did it. And then he get, I go, how did it go? And he goes, I don't really think they got it. <laughs> it was like, He's like oh, my heart hurt right, so bad. Yeah. I sent him into bomb on my material. Oh, it was, I'm sure it was brutal. Thanks for listening to Think Funny. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. If you have comments or topics for the guys, you can email them at thinkfunnypodcast at gmail.com. And check out aaronDonley.com for today's show notes and much more. That's A-A-R-O-N-D-O-N-L-E-Y dot com.